more. What if I told you that ambition and contentment don't have to be enemies when you're a Christian? In fact, they're actually meant to go hand in hand and work together. Let's explore the truth about ambition on this week's episode of Dreamers and Disciples. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. My name is Wade Joy, and I am thrilled that you are here. This is episode 10 of Dreamers and Disciples, which might not seem like a big deal to you, but for me, I'm throwing a little mini party over here in Charlotte, North Carolina, because I remember when this podcast was just a dream six months ago, and now to be 10 episodes in, I'm thankful, I'm loving it, I'm having the best time, I'm grateful for all of you who are a part of this journey with us. Um, and many of you have been here for all 10 episodes now. You are the early adopters. Thank you for getting the word out, for sharing, for inviting other people to check out these episodes. And maybe uh, if you're listening today, episode 10 might be your first time joining us. And so this is really your episode one. And I just want to say I'm glad you're here too. And I pray that God will speak something to you today that'll cause you to trust Him more, to trust Him with your dreams. Uh, to, to walk with greater faith and greater belief in God, but also to walk in greater faithfulness to Him as well, because He is always faithful to us. So I'm glad that you're here. I can't wait to talk about what God has put on my heart today uh, as we dive into what the Bible says about ambition. But first, I wanted just to give you a quick reminder, if you haven't already, to download your free copy of my new ebook, Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul. You can get that at wadejoy.com, W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E.com. And this is a short ebook. It's really a workbook to help you just assess seven key areas of your life and to see if the rhythms that you currently have are healthy. Are they contributing to a healthy soul? And then it also helps you establish new rhythms with some very practical steps that can actually help you create more space for God to speak. You can be more present to what God wants to say to you. You can be more present to what your emotions are telling you. You can be more present to the people in your life that matter to you. And I pray that this will help you find more clarity, peace, and joy in your life. So make sure you get that at wayjoy.com. All right, let's dive into today's episode. So last week on the podcast, we talked about contentment. And if you haven't listened to that, I'm just going to encourage you right now to stop this episode and to go back and listen to episode nine, which is the three ways to practice contentment in any situation. Because what we talk about in that episode is really a foundation for where we're going to go today. So make sure you're caught up on that, and then come back and join us to talk about ambition. All right. Now, maybe you just went and listened to that, and now you're back. Let's move forward together. So last week, we talked about contentment and how Contentment isn't being satisfied with a bad situation. It's learning how to be satisfied in God in a bad situation. No matter what your situation is, you can be satisfied in God uh, when things are going well. You can be satisfied in God when things aren't going so well. Um, but it's not being satisfied with any situation. There's a key difference there that we talked about last week. But I used to think that contentment um, was the opposite of ambition. And I knew I was supposed to be content as a Christian. So then I struggled with, well, am I not supposed to be ambitious? Is ambition a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And there always felt like there was this tension 
And it caused me to even begin to ask the bigger question, can you even be ambitious as a Christian? I know we're supposed to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. So where does that leave room for ambition? So first of all, let's define ambition. And I did what anyone does now when you want to define a word, you just Google it. And so this is what Google says the definition of ambition is. It defines it as a strong desire to do or achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. So ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. So at face value, there seems to be a lot of good in that definition. Uh, To want to achieve something, to have determination, to work hard, those seem like those are good values. So why is there a question about ambition and following Jesus? Well, let's look at what I mentioned just a second ago about the whole tension of denying yourself and having ambition. Because we know to follow Jesus, we have to lay our lives down. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. And this is a, a concept and a tension we've talked about already on this podcast with our dreams. Because um, we know that God has given us dreams that motivate us to do good things in the world, that motivate us uh, to bring about a preferred future and to to proclaim the gospel, to to love others well. But we can never let our dreams lead. We can't be controlled by our dreams. We have to hold our dreams loosely before God. And so denying yourself is releasing control. Denying yourself is saying that I am going to cling to Christ rather than clinging to these dreams. I still have the dreams. I'm still going to work to bring them to pass, but I'm going to be open-handed so I can just trust God whether these dreams come to pass or whether I have to lay them down. So in the same way, I think we can look at ambition in a very similar way to our dreams because they're very, very closely connected. So can we walk with open hands with our ambition in the same way that we do with our dreams? So I think that's the first thing that I want to bring up about this tension. I think it's right in line with what we've talked about with holding our dreams loosely before God. But in a lot of ways, I think we are afraid of ambition because it's been villainized, not just um, outside the church, but in many ways, we've seen bad examples of ambition inside the church. We've villainized ambition because we've seen it go wrong in so many cases and in so many people. We've seen... Uh, evidence in the corporate world of people uh, walking all over those who are less powerful because of their ambition. We have seen that, unfortunately, and sadly, within the church itself. We have seen examples of ambition going horribly wrong. But here's the thing. It's not just in other people that we've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I know you've seen examples in your own life where your selfish ambition has gotten out of control and you've left some damage, some relational damage in your wake as well. And so we're confronted with our own hearts and the struggles of our own hearts. And it can be very confusing how we can sanctify the concept of ambition and how can we use it for good rather than a way that causes so much pain. So I want us to explore this and challenge some of the lies that we've become or that we've come to believe based on the worst case scenarios of ambition. So we've seen these worst case scenarios um, outside the church. We've seen it inside the church. We've seen it in our own lives. And I think it's caused us to believe certain lies about ambition that aren't biblical. 
and that often hold us back from truly um, stewarding all that God has given us to steward and to maximize for His glory and to use um, uh, in ways that truly honor Him. So there's three lies that I've come to believe, and maybe you've come to believe too, that I want to help us dismantle through the truth of God's Word. And then we can look at what does godly ambition actually look like. So here's lie number one. You can't be ambitious and content. Lie number one is you can't be ambitious and content. See, ambition by nature is active. You're working towards something. You are There's, there's determination. There's hard work. You're achieving a goal. But most of the time, we assume contentment is passive. Uh, we think contentment is just resigning ourselves to whatever happened. But last week, we talked about the fact that contentment is not passive. Contentment is actually active. Contentment isn't passively waiting for things that need to change to change. It's actively doing what you already know to do to improve what you have the power to improve. So contentment is working to make things better. It can be working towards a goal, but you're content uh, in Christ, in God, no matter what happens. You find your joy and your satisfaction and your worth and your value not from achieving the goal. You find that in Christ. So God gives you passions and desires and righteous frustration when you see something that isn't as it should be. Um, And so you should work towards that, but work towards it in a way that you can still be content no matter the outcome. So to practice contentment, we have to learn how to balance being grateful for what we have, being grateful for what God has given us, but at the same time, we want to honor God by using those gifts. We want to honor God by by stepping into opportunities that He gives us, by um, stirring up the passions that He's placed inside of us uh, to bring about good change. Because the best way to honor the giver of a gift is to use the gift. So you can be grateful and still have a goal. You can be thankful for what God has given you and still try to maximize what is in front of you. Paul, I think, was one of the most ambitious people in the Bible, but he's also the one who taught us the most about contentment. So I think there's a lot that we can learn from Paul uh, in this tension. So Paul was not satisfied with only some of the world hearing the gospel, because in Romans 15, 20, Paul says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So Paul was ambitious that more and more people would hear the hope and the truth of the gospel. And he was also ambitious to do it in places where someone else had not already gone or someone else had not established a church. So there was a godly ambition that Paul exhibited, but Paul was also the guy who told us that he had learned the secret of being content and how to practice that so they can work together. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Running and racing by nature is ambitious. You are running to achieve a goal. Think about the definition we read of ambition earlier, but you can run to get the prize, but be content no matter the outcome of the race. So contentment and ambition Um, are not in competition with one another. They are compatible. So you can be ambitious and still be content. So that was lie number one, that you can't be ambitious and be content. Here's lie number two that sometimes we believe. 
that you can't be ambitious and humble. The lie is you can't be ambitious and humble. See, oftentimes ambition is thought of as self-serving, and it can be that. We've all seen examples in other people's lives. We've seen examples in our lives of that. But it doesn't have to be self-serving. Plus, we think humility is just constantly saying no to anything that is a good opportunity for fear that it'll make things about us. That can be a wrong assumption we have about humility. But often that's just our attempt to spiritualize insecurity. And we talk all about that in episode eight, Stop Pre-Rejecting Yourself, which I encourage you to listen to if you haven't, uh, where I share some times in my life where I almost didn't step into something God had for me because I was afraid, I was insecure, but I masked it in humility. So you can take bold steps towards a goal that you think will bring bring God glory uh, and use what God has given you. You can do that in a way that shows humility because we define humility as a focused confidence in God. It's keeping your focus on your devotion to God, and it's keeping your confidence, uh, building that on your dependence on God. So humility isn't passive. It's keeping your focus on God. It's keeping your confidence fixed on God. And you can do that while you're working towards something. Um, It's about who you want to receive the glory. Humility uh, reflects the glory onto God. Uh, Living uh, with with pride wants to bring the the glory back to yourself. But that can happen when you're um, on a platform. That can happen when you're in obscurity. So it, it isn't correlated to whether you're working towards something. It's how you're working towards that thing that exercises humility. Uh, someone has said it's uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I love that. Uh, I really like the nuance that we find when Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. He says, Here's a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Back in my days as worship pastor at Elevation Church, um, I would mistakenly teach sometimes that it was wrong to want certain positions. And I think there was a lot of of good in what I was trying to teach, but it was incomplete. Um, Because it's not wrong to want a position that allows you to do good work for the right reasons, that allows you um, to use your gifts in a way that honors God and loves people. The problem is when we want that position because we're trying to elevate ourselves. And so it's all, once again, depends on your focus and your confidence. Uh, So if I get the position, is my focus and confidence in God, that He gave it to me, that He wants me to use it? And if I don't get the position, is my focus and confidence still in God, that it wasn't right for me now and that He wants me to trust Him? So Paul is saying, you can aspire to be an overseer, And that's a noble task. It is a good thing to want. You don't have to think you're bad because you're desiring a good thing. See, a lot of the times in church, we have said that our desires sometimes are bad, that you can't want something too much. And yes, there are some desires that are sinful, but to desire something that is good and that something that can be used for the Lord, that's a good thing. It's okay to be ambitious about that, but we have to be humble enough to keep our focus and our confidence on God if we get the thing or if we don't get it. Uh, 
In fact, here's what Dave Harvey says in his book, Rescuing Ambition. He says, a wrong understanding of humility quenches a lot of evangelical fire. Humility, rightly understood, shouldn't be a fabric softener on our aspirations. When we become too humble to act, we've ceased being biblically humble. True humility doesn't kill our dreams. It provides a guardrail for them, ensuring that they remain on God's road and move in the direction of His glory. I love that. True humility doesn't kill our dreams. It provides a guardrail for them, ensuring that they remain on God's road and move in the direction of His glory. So the lie was that you can't be ambitious and humble, but the reality, the truth is you can walk in humility and have ambition. And here's the final lie we're going to dismantle, and that is this. You can't be ambitious and love others well. You can't be ambitious and love others well, because a lot of times we think ambition is all about loving ourselves and only ourselves. And in our current climate, there are many examples of ambition that has left a lot of damage and wreckage in its wake. People who have walked all over, people who didn't show love to those um, who are less powerful, so to speak, than they were. Um, They were just loving themselves and trying to achieve their dreams of glory. And like I said, we've seen that outside the church. We've seen it inside the church. But just because ambition has been wrongly used, um, that doesn't mean that that's always the end result of ambition when it's stewarded correctly. It doesn't mean that ambition can't be a good thing if we think about it correctly and we exercise it appropriately. So we have to learn from the mistakes we've made, from the mistakes other people have made. But it doesn't mean that we just sit back and not work towards anything good. Because you can actually be ambitious about how you love others. Paul instructs us in Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. You can be ambitious about how much you love someone. You can actually try to outdo someone else in how you love them and how you love other people and how you show honor. What a great thing to be ambitious about. Paul's basically saying, work hard to achieve the goal of honoring others, of loving others. He also says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12, we've talked about this passage before in the podcast, but it's worth bringing back. He says, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. I love here how Paul's saying, be like, love one another more and more. Be ambitious about your love. Be ambitious to lead a quiet life and to do good work that wins respect from other people. You can be ambitious about the way you love and serve and minister to others. See, many of the great evangelistic and humanitarian initiatives in our world today were started with an ambition to help others, to love others well. At the beginning of uh, this past year, I read um, the book, God's Smuggler by Brother Andrew, and it inspired me so much to see his his love for others, his dependence on God, his the specificity of his prayer life. But he was a missionary into communist-controlled Eastern Europe during the Cold War. And he was ambitious to get as many Bibles 
to smuggle as many Bibles as he could into Eastern Europe because um, most Christians didn't have the Word of God. They weren't able to gather and worship together. And so he was trying to tell as many people about Jesus and to resource the church there. And he was ambitious to do as much as he could to build up the body of Christ. His ambition was to love and serve others well. And through that, he helped start the nonprofit ministry, Open Doors, that works to support persecuted Christians all over the world. It's an amazing ministry. Our family supports it. I'll put a link in the show notes. But that is an example of an ambition to love others well. And he was ambitious to love others well at the risk of his own freedom and his own life. So you can be ambitious and use that ambition to love others well. So in summary, we've we've kind of um, torn down three lies about ambition, that you can't be ambitious and content, that you can't be ambitious and humble, that you can't be ambitious and love others well. And we've looked at some scripture about ambition. So do we see ambition in scripture? Yes. Can the Holy Spirit use ambition to motivate the church to do the work of the kingdom? The answer is yes. Can ambition get out of bounds? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. Can it be self-serving? Once again, the answer is yes. So there is such a thing as selfish ambition. We've all struggled with it, but not all ambition is selfless or is selfish. Not all ambition is selfish, but there is such a thing as selfless ambition. So Paul contrasts selfish ambition and selfless ambition in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I love how Paul is saying, take this ambition that is moving you towards focusing on yourself, it's moving you towards vain conceit, and redirect that energy to loving and valuing others. Take this ambition, don't fight it, but redirect it and focus it in an area that actually honors God. So that being said, here is the main point I want you to walk away with today. In fact, if you're if you're multitasking or you're doing something else, uh, maybe you're cutting the grass, turn the lawnmower off and just, just zone in real quick because I want to make sure you get this. Ambition isn't something to fight. It's something to focus. Ambition isn't something to fight. It's something to focus. We fight a losing battle when we try not to be ambitious because we're fighting against the very way God designed us. We're meant to multiply. We're meant to proclaim God's kingdom and invite others into it. We're meant to grow. I mean, look at what God charges uh, humanity with in Genesis 1.28. He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That sounds like ambition. Fill the earth and subdue it. Once again, that sounds like ambition. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, ambition is innately part of our calling and design and purpose as followers of Jesus. We want to bring about um, the rule of God over every aspect of this world. Uh, We want to announce the kingdom of God in, in every sphere of our life. See, without ambition, we become stagnant. We don't operate as we were intended to operate. Uh, We start to to become more self-focused sometimes when we're not trying to be others-focused. So don't fight the desire to be ambitious. Instead, focus it and channel it 
uh, to be useful in the right direction. So I'm, I was thinking the other day about um, one of my earliest memories growing up is when our family was um, caught in Hurricane Hugo in Columbia, South Carolina, and how terrified I was. And we were just, my mom and I and my dad, we were huddled in the closet. Uh, and I remember looking outside and seeing how powerful the wind was. And it's my first memory of just really experiencing the force of nature. And anyone who's seen the damage of a tornado or hurricane, you know its power to destroy. But that same wind can be harnessed to power turbines and to propel boats and for transportation. And it's all on how you harness its energy um, that determines if it's, if it's destructive or if it's helpful. See, we don't stop trying to use that power well just because it can be harmful in the wrong situations. Uh, you just have to focus it. You see it in personality traits. The same strong-willed nature that can make someone stubborn um, can also make them a persistent leader in times of trouble. Maybe you're raising someone right now <laughs> in your house and they're on the verge of going towards stubbornness or being an awesome leader. Um, and you're just trying, if I can just channel their energy in the right direction, God can really use them in a mighty way. So you don't fight against the personality trait. You focus it in the right direction. It's the same way with ambition. It's all a matter of focus because God has given each of us the gift of ambition. When it's focused towards His purposes, it's a powerful force for good and for the gospel. But when it is unfocused, it always turns in on itself and becomes destructive. But when we try to fight against ambition by throwing around words like contentment and humility, we're actually trying to kill ambition with the very thing that is meant to redeem it and to channel it in the right way. See, contentment, humility, and love, those three objections we heard to ambition earlier, they're not meant to be objections. They're actually meant to be the guardrails for ambition. They're actually meant to be the things that keep it moving in the right direction. Uh, in fact, contentment, humility, and love, they're meant to be the lens you can use to focus your ambition in the right spirit and the right direction. So they harness this wild energy that could be destructive, and they focus it to make it a force for good. So ambition in the right spirit, when it's focused in the right spirit, says, yes, be ambitious, but practice contentment when you don't like the outcome or the speed of the process. Ambition in the right spirit says, yes, be ambitious, but still walk in humility and keep your focus on Christ in success and defeat. Ambition in the right spirit says, be ambitious, but make loving and serving others well the distinctive marker of how you operate and do things and treat people. So that's ambition in the right spirit. Ambition in the right direction can look like this. Be ambitious to know God and to walk in righteousness. Be ambitious to embrace healthy rhythms, to grow in your relationships. Be ambitious to make the world around you better, not just the world that's you know, across the country. Look at your neighborhood, the people in your life, your neighbor. How can you actually make your community better? Um, be ambitious to serve those in need. Be ambitious to be generous with your money, to, to be ambitious in hospitality. Um, be ambitious with the dreams and talents God has given you, but do it all in the spirit and direction of contentment, humility, and love, because they are the guardrails that focus your ambition. They're the lens that help focus the ambition and make it a godly ambition. So we've covered a lot, but I hope it's been helpful. And I want to leave you with this quote from John Stott that sums up everything we've been talking about. He's the late 
English, Anglican cleric, and theologian, and he says this, Ambitions for self may be quite modest. Ambitions for God, however, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that He should acquire just a little more honor in the world? No, once we are clear that God is King, then we long to see Him crowned with glory and honor and accorded His true place, which is the supreme place. We become ambitious for the spread of His kingdom and righteousness everywhere. I love that. So be ambitious this week, but be ambitious with love, with contentment, and with humility. And I'd love for you to think right now in your own life to pray through God, where do do I need to grow in my contentment? Do I need to grow in my humility? Do I need to grow in my love? How are you calling me to be ambitious about the right things? Maybe you've been ambitious, but it's in the wrong spirit and you've been treating people poorly. Maybe you have you know, been refusing to step into the thing that God wants you to do because you're afraid of doing it the wrong way. And God is saying, you know, keep your focus on me and I want you to take a step. You don't have to feel like you're perfect before you take a step. Just take the step and keep your focus, confidence on God and pray that he will let you do it with the right spirit and in the right direction. But what is the step that God is calling you to take? I'd love to hear about it. Share it with me either on a review for the podcast or on Instagram, but let me know. I love hearing how God is working in you. And then next week, we're going to pick up on this same topic, and I'm going to give you five extremely practical ways to focus your ambition in the right direction. Five very practical ways to focus your ambition in the right direction. I can't wait to see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples.